You may be seated. Amen. And if you are in preschool through grades five, you may be dismissed at this time to children's ministry. Have fun. Although we're going to have fun too today. So sometimes, you know, children have more fun than we do, but I don't think so today. Um, So the uh, snow reminded me this morning of the first time that I got stuck. Um, My parents are here, so I'm going to be kind. Uh, It's all my fault. Um, In my hometown, Thursdays are driver's license test day. So it's only on Thursdays, and so three weeks after my birthday came that January 24th day, and I got a 91 on my test, and I got my license. I was very excited, and there was a dance the next day. And so I was going to get to take the car, actually the family van, yes, the Plymouth Voyager, (laughs) baby blue, Um, and and I was going to get to pick up my friends, and then we were going to get to go to the dance. I was very excited can't find my parents. So um, I do contest, though, that um, the car was not put in the, in the garage quite at a 90, like straight on. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I love my parents. I, I mean, it's mostly on me. I did get a 91, but it wasn't quite in there straight. I'm just saying. So anyway, uh, so I backed out of the driveway, or I backed out of the garage at a little bit of an angle, just a little. And our driveway is like a 50 or 60 degree angle that I grew up. So you came out of the garage and then you went straight down. And it's January 25th in northern Minnesota. So the high is like negative seven without wind chill. So there's a little bit of frost, a little bit of ice, a little bit of snow, and I'm going crooked. 7.15, and I end up in the snowbank at the end of our driveway, four feet from the road with a four foot high snowbank. And my car, my mom's car, is three feet into the snowbank. There, and it's not moving. Like, the front-wheel drive is spinning. My friends are waiting for me, and I'm either, like, too embarrassed um, to ask my friends or my parents for help or a little too proud. So uh, my options were to, like, just sit there, get angry, or to start shoveling. And I started shoveling and shoveling, and then my parents came out. And then they made fun of me. And then they started shoveling, which they should have. I'm not, I totally, I've forgiven. There's nothing to forgive. I would have made fun of myself too. But my friends all laughed at me and, um, and I was just stuck for a long time. And, um, and some of you, as we enter this series on forgiveness, you might feel like I did on that Friday night. You might feel a little stuck. Either like emotionally or relationally, or spiritually, you just feel a little stuck. And I would submit to you today that this series on forgiveness that we're going to go through for the next four weeks is going to help, could, could get, help you to get unstuck in your life. And I think, like, I, I've done some good, really good forgiveness stuff. I've talked to pastors, I've talked to spiritual directors, I've talked to counselors, like, to, to see if I'm, like, there's any forgiveness issues in my life. And I, I think I'm doing pretty well. And then as I'm preparing through this, like God goes, pew, pew, and I'm like, oh, there's more that I have to work on. Um, but, but forgiveness cannot be separated from Jesus and the Jesus way. And we just sang about how um, Jesus washes away our sin. And at the cross and the resurrection that we just celebrated, like we celebrated the 
biggest forgiveness event that took place on this horrid, brutal crucifixion. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so I want to go into this idea of forgiveness, and we're going to go through it for the next several weeks. So it's a lot of introduction today. But um, you have a sheet in your folder there that has two sides. It's like, I should forgive, or I should let go of something, or God might be prompting me. And then the bottom, it says, I might have a question about forgiveness. Um, We offer that to you today. Um, If God is prompting you already, there's something in your heart or a person or a situation that you might need to let go of, you can write it on the top. If there's a question you have about forgiveness, because maybe I'm already getting a little bit too up in your face on this idea because you've had some situations, well, then you can write that one on the bottom. Well, does forgiveness really mean this? So the the idea that I want to come to and we're going to go to um, Romans chapter 12 in just a minute. But the idea I want to come to is I want to make some word associations here. Because some of us feel like for, when we talk about forgiveness, it's a little like talking about dental floss, 401k plans, and blind dates. Okay? Just stay with me. These are all like ought to things to do. Like you ought to floss your teeth, right? Because the dentist will go much better for you. And you ought to invest in a 401k plan because then you won't have to work till you die. You'll have a little money left over. And you ought to go out on that blind date because that person could be Mr. or Mrs. Right. And you ought to forgive because there's a lot of opportunity in those things. But I think a lot of us have heard about forgiveness and dental floss and blind dates like taxes, Like, you ought to pay your taxes because they were due three weeks ago, and the IRS is going to come after you if you don't take care of that. So these kind of ought-to things are more like obligations. You ought to go out with that girl because I set you up. You ought to forgive someone because it'll go better for you. You ought to do your taxes. You ought to, you know, floss your teeth. And you feel like, like you're four, and you have this parent, like, telling you what to do. And I do not want to have this idea in this series on forgiveness come, ag- come across as an obligation. I don't think that God is obligating you in that sense. I think he's offering an opportunity. And that's how I kind of want to look at this. So if you go to Romans chapter 12, we're going to get, just like jump right into it because there is some good stuff here. So uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans in the New Testament. 727 in my Bible, if you want to turn there. Because you just might, if you have a Bible, you might want to write some stuff down. So um, as we go there, uh, let's, let's just go to um, prayer. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this topic, uh, that it is uh, so deep and so wide and yet um, so hard. Because all of us have been through things uh, that that we need forgiveness for and that we need to forgive for, and yet um, it's really hard. So we just pray that we would go to your word with an open mind and an open heart and open eyes and open ears to what you're going to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a little excited, and it's not the coffee. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21 say, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. 
And maybe you couldn't even hear all those verses because you're like, you do not know my situation. Um, you're right. I probably don't really know your situation. But um, I do know a few situations um, that I've genericized, so hopefully we'll protect anonymity. Um, but here are some stories. So my husband walked out after 25 years and two great kids, and I'm the one that's still broken, and the kids don't know how to react, and now the woman, now he's living with a woman that's three years older than my daughter, and I want to get even. I don't want to forgive. My son's been stealing money and buying and using and selling drugs, and it's nearly destroyed our marriage. Does forgiveness mean I just let him back into the house? My wife cheated on me. She said she was sorry, and she'll never do it again, but how do I really forgive? Because does forgiveness mean that what happened was okay? I was hit on a motorcycle at 17 because the driver didn't even look. I laid in a hospital bed for seven months. I lost 60 pounds and half my leg. Forgiveness won't change the past. And besides, I heard she feels awful. If I forgive her, I'm just letting her off the hook. I want to have as much pain. I want her to have as much pain as I have. My son's Boy Scout troop leader abused half the boys in the troop for three years without anyone ever finding out. Now they're finding out. Does forgiveness mean I surrender justice? My daughter choked at preschool and no one in the room knew CPR. Now she died. Does forgiveness mean I forget about that? My parents physically and verbally abused me. They beat me and they didn't even want me. And I had to live in that. It would have been better to be alone. Does forgiveness mean I let go of that? And we could go on and on. Divorce, abuse, neglect. I was violated. I was, um, I was hurt. I was all this stuff. I don't know what your situation is, but I know that's a lot of baggage. And I would just submit to you today that I think God has a plan for getting rid of that baggage. Let's go back to those verses again in Romans. Let's start in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And the last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this writer, he's just kind of starting to tell it like it is. He has, in, in this book, in this letter to these people that are living in Rome, they're, they're Christ followers or people who want to follow Jesus, and they're in Rome. It's kind of a secular society. It's like the military powerhouse of the day. So he's written this letter on how to live and, and how God loves them. And then he goes into, at the beginning of this chapter, he says, you know what? Live as God's people because of what God's done for you. And then he says, and if you do that and you don't follow the world, then you'll know what God's will is. And then you can live your life well. You can work together well. You can give grace to each other well. You can use your gifts together well. And you can live out this sincere love well. That's what he says all like before this in the first part of the chapter. But then he just steps it up and he says, do not. Back with those verses, he says, do not. Um, do not, there we go. Do not repay evil for evil. Like never repay evil for evil. So, so this assumes that there's been evil done to us. So if you're sitting there still thinking like, but there was evil that happened to me. I agree. And, and the word, the Bible agrees too. It was evil that was done to you. And it says, but it says, never 
repay evil for evil. And it says, um, I just lost it, sorry. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And I would love to tell you that if you go back to the original language, that there's some like little qualification there. Well, it really doesn't mean anyone. Where it can be like, repay those that stole your lunch money, but don't repay, repay those that, that violated um, someone. Um, yes, forgive the person that uh, stole your car, but don't forgive the person that took your child's life. I would love it to say that, but it doesn't. It says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And it says that we can be overcome by evil, and it says, be careful to do good, which it says, like, don't do evil things, do good things. It says, be careful, which means that that's against our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to want, like, the eye for the eye. It's to want fairness. A common conversation in our house is, um, dad, he got ice cream, why can't I have ice cream? You know, she got ice cream, why can't I have ice Well, you're, let's see, you're not listening to us, you're not being obedient, you haven't finished your supper, that's why you can't have ice cream. But that's not fair. Yes, I know, like, we're innate, we want this fairness. Um, I went through a little country phase, I'm just confessing, you know, we're an honest, authentic, accepting community. So I went through a country phase, some of you might still be in it, I went through mine, um, I'm trying to decide if I went through it when Michelle and I started dating because that would have implications for that oldie wed game that is on Friday. So, because um, the Wranglers and the cowboy boots might have to come out. But anyway, uh, long, long diatribe to say that uh, there was a Garth Brooks song called Papa Loved Mama. Some of you know this song. Um, it said that Papa was a trucker and, and Mama was a looker, like good looking and. She would wait for the call for dad every night. And then once the call came, she would go out and go around town. And one night, and she would do things around town that we don't need to talk about. Um, But one night he came home early from his trucking route and had flowers and was ready to spend time with her. And she wasn't there. And the kids say, the song says that, all we know is the old diesel engine started up and he started driving into town. And and the next day in the paper, it showed the semi-truck in the hotel, like, building, and uh, it said, Mama's in the graveyard, Papa's in the pen. And there's, like, we're not here to glorify sin, that's awful, we don't approve of bad behavior, but there's a teeny little bit of us that, like, wants to laugh at that. There's a teeny little bit of us that when we hear a a real story like that, we go, yeah, they got what they deserved. Like, they took justice into their own hands. Because there's this little piece of us that, that wants to pay back, we want to get even. And, and it's revenge, really. Um, revenge says, uh, revenge is defined as our own pleasure in seeing someone who hurt us get it back and then some. And, and we're not saying that these things aren't evil. They are. Abuse is evil. Rape is evil. Infidelity is evil. Addictions are evil. Having pornography destroy your marriage is evil. Deceit is evil. Um, Gossip and slander is evil. Abandoning children is evil. Withholding love because you're hurt is evil. Punishing someone else in anger is evil. They're all true. And it's not, the, the word of God is not saying that it's not evil. 
But here's why I think revenge doesn't work, okay? As much as, as, much as it, that's kind of our reaction, that's why it says be careful not to do this. Here's why I think it doesn't work. It's because it's never ending and it's never enough, Okay, there was snow this morning, not enough to make snowballs, but do you remember your first snowball fight? You know, like mine was across the street. We built up some really big bunkers and we took the snowballs and we made them and they were mostly, you know, they weren't fluffy, but they, they weren't ice balls. And then we chucked them across at each other and all of a sudden you got hit in the face. And so then you got mad and then you made it bigger and you made it harder and then you put a little ice chunk in there and then you threw it back. <laughs> And you threw, and you threw, and you threw until you slapped them. Yeah! And then they'd hit you, and so you'd make another one bigger and harder and put a little more ice in it, and you'd throw it back, and then they'd hit you, and you'd hit them. But, and you'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, bigger, harder, until either it was too big that you couldn't throw, or you were so bloody that you had to quit. Um, But no matter how hard that snowball was, the pain that you inflicted on the other person was never as much as the pain that was inflicted on you. Right? No matter how hard you try to hurt that other person, the pain that you're feeling is always, always, always greater. Um, it's a little bit like Angry Birds. I don't know how many of you played this game. Yes? Okay, my son came home from preschool. He's four. Okay? So first of all, what's he doing playing playing Angry Birds at four. But he comes home and he's like, Dad, you got to get this game. Why? It's really fun. So I downloaded the free version. And you know what? It's kind of fun. These birds, <laughs> they get their eggs stolen by some pigs and then the pigs laugh and then you like, they get in a, the birds get in a slingshot and then whack down the pigs. But then the pigs get like, more complicated structures and so then it's ice and it's wood and it's stone and you keep flinging these pigs over and or the birds over and over to try and destroy the pigs and in the free version it's great there's 10 levels and it's like yeah i beat it Mm." so i bought the like the paid version (laughs) the paid version has 200 levels it's insane i've i'm not even gonna tell my wife how many times i played the game i just had to give up because you just over and over and over and over and you, you can't beat it and and who's the one really getting hurt in the game like the birds like they die every time you know you fling them and then bah! and then they make some funny noise and then they bah! and then they're dead and feathers go flying and then the pigs laugh and and it, that's what revenge is like because it's just over and over and over and we're the ones getting hurt because we have to hold on to it. So, Don, you, uh, you just joyously volunteered for me. Thanks, buddy. You know, we needed someone that's big and strong to uh, do this little demonstration for us. Sorry, we were going to pick Adam, but Don's a little bit taller, so he could be seen up here. So, that's okay. That's okay. So, we hold on to it. Because when we have something happen to us, um, and we don't want to forgive, we start carrying those bags, that baggage. So, I have a friend in one of the stories. Yeah, you'll want both straps. Okay, I'm going to ask you to multitask here, okay? So you're going to watch Don put on the baggage as I tell the story about my my friend who said, when I I just turned 17, I'm riding my motorcycle home from my job at the airport. As I came up the intersection about two miles from my house, I saw a Lincoln Continental pull out and not see me. 
I was driving at 55 miles an hour, and I quickly started to slow down, and I tried to swerve, but I realized there was no way I could avoid a collision. So I laid the bike down, and at 45 miles an hour, I ran the bike into her Lincoln Continental. And if you don't know what this car is, it's like the size of a small yacht. Um, and, and as I awoke from being blacked out, I looked up, and my leg was covered in blood. And all I remember is this hysterical lady screaming, I didn't see him, I didn't see him, I didn't see him, I didn't see him. And then my dad, the highway patrol, pulling up as the first person on the scene. And he says, upon reflecting on this, I believe the biggest thing that my anger and unforgiveness accomplished was, for a season, it allowed me to hold on to a false and sad sense of control. What I mean by that is somehow I still feel like I could change the outcome of my scenario if I just held on to the unforgiveness of the woman who hit me. I was not going to get my leg back and nothing bad was going to happen to her just because she accidentally hit me. But being angry and holding on to that made me feel as though somehow I was doing something to even the score. Somehow I was doing something to hold on to the power. Because see, somehow we think that forgiveness might be weakness. And that if we hold on to that, somehow we're going to hurt the person that hurt us. And somehow we think that this is power. How are you doing there, Don? Yeah? You're pretty strong. We should have picked somebody else. You can hold that for like two hours. Um, but when we don't forgive, we allow ourselves to be hurt again and again and again and again. Because what do we do? At least I did this. I got hurt like in junior high, high school. I got kind of picked on. So like I replayed the mental DVD of what happened over and over and over. And I like made this giant, elab- I had a big imagination, but I made this elaborate like scenario of what was going to happen. I was going to graduate. Um, I was going to ta- start taking Taekwondo or karate. And then I was going to get a really smoking hot wife and a really fast car. And I was going to go to my 10 year reunion. And I was going to tell them and show them off. And I just would replay this for years over and over again of what I was going to do. And I didn't realize that I was carrying baggage. And some of you are carrying this because you think that it's power, but it's not. We think that that somehow we're imprisoning the other person or we're somehow chaining the other person when we're the one who's got to hold everything. And we're the ones that are literally in chains. Anne Lamont says it like beautifully. She says, um, not forgiving someone is like eating rat poisoning and then expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like eating rat poisoning and expecting the other person to die. So if, if revenge isn't the right answer... Then, then what are our other options? And I think there are only two other options. And from psychology, but more importantly, from biblically, I think there are only two other options. I think we can take revenge. We've talked about that. We've seen how that's working. How's that working for you? We can deny it. We can be like, baggage? What baggage? I don't have any baggage. You know, there's no baggage here. How's that going to work for you? Probably, probably not super well. Or we can forgive. And I would say that forgiveness, what it offers is forgiveness says, I'm letting go of the possibility of a better past. Forgiveness says, I'm letting go of the possibility of a better past. And when we do that, friends, we can drop the bags gently because there's some breakables in that one. But we can drop the bags. When we let go of the chance of a better past, 
we're forgiving. We're starting the forgiveness process because can we really change the past? I mean, we can tell off the past. I know we can get up all in our friends' faces. I, I, I just had this one like tiny little thing happened. I'm like, see, there you go. That, and then I wanted to call someone and be like, see, there's an example of how they're just not treating me well. And I realized like, well, what's that going to accomplish? Nothing. And see, letting go sounds passive when I say, oh, just let go. Some, you know, some nice, you know, people who love Jesus sometimes say, oh, you just need to let go and let God. And you're like, really? I don't want to hit you, but it feels like it. But letting go is very active. Just like Don had to take off every one of those bags, it's an action. See, forgiveness isn't about surrendering to the other person or to the harm, but it's surrendering that thing to God. It's putting that baggage at the cross, and he can take care of it. It doesn't give up our rights to justice. It actually guarantees our justice. Go back and look at those verses. Can you put those verses up again, Andrew? In verse 19, it says, Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Evil thing, good thing. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And I know we would like to think that burning coals is some mean thing. It's, um, if you've played the Angry Birds, it's like, it's like hitting the mighty eagle button. Maybe you've, you, know, you can bring this eagle in and he just comes and then flies off and you beat the level until you have to do 114 more. But we want the burning coals to be this idea that we just, that person gets blasted. And, and I would love to say that's what it is, but it's not. See, all the things I read about burning coals in the scriptures are referring to repentance and sorrow and shame. When, when, the, the, um, when the people of God, or even people that weren't of God, when they wanted to change their attitudes, they put on what was called sackcloth, and they either sat in ashes or put ashes on their heads. And that's what this is referring to. Because God wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to turn towards him. He wants everyone to ask for forgiveness and start walking with him. You can read the entire book of Jonah, and you'll see that God says, Don't I ha- can I have compassion on anyone? And so as people who've been forgiven by God, we need to forgive. Forgiven people forgive. That's hard. We just, we just prayed it in the Lord's Prayer. We're going there in a second. Forgiven people forgive. And, and we want those people to turn to God. Doesn't mean we might bring them back into our life, but we want this to happen. So, this actually isn't, forgiveness isn't throwing out the court case. It's actually appealing your court to God's higher court. It guarantees that justice. And isn't it better for God to take care of it than for us? Because like, what are we going to do? Tell the person off or like, end up in jail? Or we could just bring that to God and say, can you take care of this? And I promise you, our Heavenly Father will take care of it way better than we ever could. Forgiveness, I, I believe... Forgiveness is the only way to true freedom. My friend who lost his leg said this. He said, My spiritual journey back to Christ and my forgiveness with this woman went hand in hand. Jesus was right when he said that, we can't, that he can't forgive us if we can't forgive others. Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I wish that was a translation issue, like I couldn't understand the original language, so I didn't have to follow it. But when I started to grow in the grace that God gave me, 
and started to realize that the unforgiveness was holding on to my life and controlling my life more than Jesus, I had to let go. My life was never going to be the same. My leg was not going to come back. Any attempt to make things different or to hold on to the old reality would only keep me from experiencing life. I could either accept this new reality and forgive the woman who hit me, or I could live in unforgiveness and pity and let unforgiveness and pity rule my life. My friend quoted the verse right after the Lord's Prayer, so we're going to put those Lord's Prayer verses back on the screen. Maybe you missed it. He says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors or as we forgive those who sin against us. And I wish it wasn't conditional, but then he goes on further. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And like I said, I would love it to not mean that. I don't like the fact that it seems very conditional here. Like that just seems to go against God. Doesn't he always forgive if we ask? Well, one, one scholar I think said it best. He said, he said this about these verses, especially verses 14 and, and 15. He said, if our heart is not open to forgiving others, then our heart will not be open to receive God's forgiveness. But if our heart is open to forgive others, then our hearts will be open to receive God's forgiveness. But remember, forgiveness and offering forgiveness doesn't mean surrendering justice. Back to verse 18. Verse 18 says a couple qualifiers that are really important because I don't want you to go home and say like, oh, you know, like my husband's really abusive, but Rob said forgive, so I guess I just have to live with it. No, that's not true. It says if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, because it may not be possible, because that person might be dead. That person might be someone who's never, ever, ever going to be able to come back into your life because they moved away. Or that person could be so toxic that you can't have them come back into your life because it wouldn't be possible for you to live at peace, period as far as it depends on you. Because, that, again, that person just might be so unbelievably toxic that you can't be around them. It says live at peace. It doesn't say live in partnership. Now, we're Restoration Covenant Church, and we're like really into restoring people to God and people to each other and broken things in the world. That's our mission. That's who we are. But, I need to say about here, but restoration with others, especially those that have hurt us, comes with qualifications, comes with some conditions. We can forgive someone without conditions. And the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to dive into that further. But we can't restore a relationship with someone who hurt us without some conditions. So, so for my friends that... Um, that have a child that almost destroyed their marriage because of the child's alcoholism, forgiving that child, you can do that, but it still might mean you send them to rehab. A spouse who says, oh, I'll never do it again, well, you might be able to bring them back in, but there has to be qualifications. A friend who, um, who tried to destroy your company 
because they tried to steal your secrets, you might be able to forgive them, but I wouldn't hire them back. There's some conditions there. And, and the Bible is leaving room for that. Ultimately, it says, live at peace with everyone. Elsewhere, the same writer says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts or govern your heart. The, the writer earlier says this. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like while we were still doing evil, Jesus paid for us. Jesus set us free. And when we don't forgive, it's like we lock ourselves back up. We lock ourselves into a prison of unforgiveness. And some of you are living in these prisons of unforgiveness. And and the, the view through the bars just isn't good. And I would offer that as we go through this series, I'm not obligating you, but I think God is offering a chance to see what it's like outside the prison walls of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is completely a journey and a process. So again, you have this card that, um, that I would just ask you to grab. Um, we're gonna, you'll be able to put them in the offering basket if you want at the end. Um, we want to protect anonymity if you don't want to um, reveal who you are, but there might be something there that's like, yeah, but, because you might still be like, yeah, but. Does forgiveness really mean this? Write it down. But, but God might be prompting you in a situation or a person to say, you got to let that go in order to experience true freedom. Well, make that a prayer. If we don't see it, that's fine. But you can tear that sheet in half and use whichever side you want. Um, I think Corey Ten Boom says it best. Um, she survived the Holocaust. And she says, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and discovering that that prisoner was you. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and finding out the prisoner was you. I want you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to live in, in what it means to be forgiven. My friend who lost his leg said, ultimately, when I was able to forgive this person and accept that God was not out to get me, then I was truly free and I've never looked back. Yes, I've had a moment here and there when I'm putting on my leg in the morning thinking about how much easier it would be if that was not the case, but it's truly just fleeting. God led me to write a letter to the woman that hit me four years afterwards. And my mom told me that still after four years, she was struggling with the fact that she hit me. And my first thought was, well, wasn't I the one that lost the leg? But then I realized that God was offering the plan of unforgiveness through me to her. God gave me a heart for someone who hurt me. That is the awesome power and the contrary nature, nature of the gospel because the world, world says that I should get even with her. But the cross says that our work is not done until God's forgiveness is displayed through everyone. That's what we want. We want everyone to experience God's forgiveness. God will deal with them. God will deal with their stuff. God is the ultimate judge. We're not there to judge. We'll appeal the case to him and he'll take care of it because he loves us, because he loves everyone. So let's start the process of forgiveness today. Let's pray. God, I wish these verses weren't in the Bible sometimes because they're hard verses. And you don't cut corners and you don't make exceptions. You say, never anyone. Um, And that's hard because never anyone is just way too big. 
um, God, but you were big enough to die for everyone that, that we just celebrated a week ago. And you rose from the dead to prove your power over that and to prove that you were still Lord even in the midst of sin and death and destruction. And so, God, we pray that you would be Lord in our lives even if there's death, even if there's destruction, even if we feel like we're imprisoned and we feel like there's this giant wall that we can't get around, that we can't even see the ends of and we can't climb over because it's so big and so wide. We pray that through this, through um, the discovery of what it means that you forgave us and that you you offer us to forgive others, that you would blow through that wall, that you would explode that, that the heaping coals on the other person's head would be seeing that person return to you. God, we want to be honest about where we're at, and if we're not ready to forgive, then then we say that, and you're big enough to handle it. Um, God, but we want to take a step in forgiveness into what it means, and so we pray that you would walk with us as we do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.